Great to see you all today. Um, it is, uh, it's an exciting time in the life of apostles. Uh, if you were here last week, you got a glimpse of that. Uh, I think just what God was doing. We had uh, adult baptisms in the frigid, cold air of Houston uh, last Sunday, and, uh, and it was incredible. And then we kicked off our vision series talking about uh, who it is that we believe God is calling us to be and really trying to begin to press into what I would call uh, kind of a vision or a framework for who he wants to make us into and what he's inviting us into in terms of mission. And so what we said is that that really is uh, that God is calling us to be a community following Jesus in Houston. A community following Jesus in Houston. And really unpacking that idea of what does it mean to follow Jesus, we said it means three things. It means to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to do the things that Jesus did. And so what we want to do over the next uh, few weeks is we want to press into each one of these areas of what it means to be with, become like, and to do. And so this morning our focus is on what it means to be with Jesus. Now in the Gospels, uh, Jesus begins his ministry with an invitation. And we've talked about this before. The invitation, follow me. Come and follow me. Just a few examples real quick. Matthew 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Mark 2. Jesus passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. This is from John 1. And he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. This was and is Jesus' invitation to all would-be disciples. Come follow me. Come see what life with me looks like. Come be about the things I'm about. Believe in me. Follow me. Come be with me. The question then for us is, if that's the invitation that Jesus offers us as would-be disciples, what does it look like for us today to follow Jesus? I mean, we're not in first century Israel. We can't actually follow Jesus. He's not literally physically present with us in this life. So what does it look like? How do we follow him? How do we be with him? Jesus uh, actually addresses this very question in John chapter 14. Beginning in verse 15, he says that he is going to send someone in his place so that we can be with him. This is what he says, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or sometimes translated as helper, or sometimes translated as another like me. So I will send you another one like me to help you and to what? Be with you. Forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the helper, the other one like me, who is coming, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Uh, do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So how are we to be with Jesus? According to Jesus, the way we be with him is by his Holy Spirit. To follow Jesus is to live, it's to learn to live in this awareness of and this connection to God's personal, powerful presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to follow him for us, to live into this calling, this way of life with the Spirit. Jesus goes on uh, and says in John chapter 15 a little bit more about what this looks like. He gives us this picture, right, this metaphor uh, talking about a vine and fruit. We just read that a few moments ago, so I won't read the whole thing, but listen again what he says. He says, I am the vine, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus gives us this picture, right? This picture of what it means to be connected to a vine. That's what it's like to be connected to him, what it means to be with him. He uses uh, the Greek word minnow, which is translated uh, for most of us as remain or abide. And in fact, Jesus uses this word minnow 10 times in this short little teaching. 10 times. He's really trying to hammer this home. His point is, you are called to live life with me. In other words, he says, look, get yourself into God's personal, powerful presence and stay there. Stay there in God's presence. Now, when we think about that, I think often our minds jump to something like, well, does that mean I'm supposed to run off and join a convent or live in a monastery? Or should we just get together here in a holy huddle and just stay here in God's presence all the time, 24-7? We'll just keep it going and keep it going here in God's presence. That's not what Jesus modeled, and that is not what Jesus calls us to. Actually, I love what one pastor did to explain. He explained this idea of abiding, what Jesus meant by abiding this way. He said, to abide is to learn to always be in two places at once. To abide is to learn to live in two places at once. So tomorrow morning on the treadmill, you're there in the gym, but you're also in God's presence. You're in the carpool line, you're running late, LaCroix spills on your lap, you're trying to dodge kids in the line, and in God's presence, right? You're up here trying to worship, and your three-year-old's yanking you down to the floor, and you're in God's presence, right? Two places at once. This is the reality that God calls us into. This is what it means to abide. It's to be wherever we are, doing whatever we're doing, but at the same time, in God's presence, When I was uh, in college, a friend and mentor of mine gave me a a copy of a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I've kind of recently rediscovered it. It's a great little book. It's by a 17th century Carmelite uh, monk from France. And what he did was he kind of committed his whole life to this goal of abiding, of being in the presence of God in the midst of busyness in everyday life. The irony is that when I got this book, when my friend gave me this book, I remember kind of looking through it a little bit and kind of deciding I didn't have time to mess with it. (laughs) As a college student, I was way too busy uh, to practice the presence of God. Um, 
But it's come back around to me. God in his graciousness has brought it back around. And I commend it to you because I think uh, it would be good for all of us to just take a look at what this book says. I, I think the message is really pertinent for us as people who really struggle with busyness, right? And this practice of the presence of God. Listen to what Brother Lawrence says. He says, it is possible for us to live in the very sense of the Lord's presence, to be in the presence of God, he says, under even the most difficult circumstances. If you and I are going to enjoy the peace of paradise, in other words, if we're going to enjoy the life that Jesus has on offer, life to the fullest, life with him, if we're going to enjoy that life here, we must become accustomed to a familiar, humble, and very affectionate conversation with the Lord Jesus. So Jesus says it is possible, right? It's possible to do this, to be in two places at once, whatever we're doing and in the presence of God. And so I think what God wants is for us to step into this reality, to step into what it means to live this way because that's what we want, isn't it? This is the relationship, the life that we all want, not something that's limited to a few holy moments here and there or to a couple hours on a Sunday, but life, right? Life with God, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. But notice that Brother Lawrence calls it the practice of the presence of God. It's the practice of the presence. In other words, it doesn't just happen, right? We have to work at it. Dallas Willard um, put it this way. He said, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God, again, this language from Brother Lawrence, is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God, but these are habits. They are not law like the law of gravity. They can be broken, he says. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. It takes practice. It takes practice to be aware of and connected to this personal presence of God. And it takes effort. Now the whole thing is covered in grace. This is all about grace. So grace is opposed to earning, as someone once said, not opposed to effort, right? So we have a part to play. We have a part to play in what God is doing in our lives, in this process of learning to abide with him. And I'll I'll just tell you, it, it is hard. It is hard to learn how to do this. It takes practice. It takes intentionality. I've been trying to kind of renew commitment to do this myself, just going through my day, trying to be aware of God's presence. It is hard in the midst of everyday life and everything we've got going on. I found that I can go for hours without ever thinking about God or being aware of his presence in my life. And so this is not easy. This is a really difficult thing, but it is something that we can do. Again, we can get there. God can help us get there, but it will take practice. Change, in other words, is possible. I saw um, this ad this week in the Heights. It was for a gym, and it just struck me as I was thinking through this. It said, remember what feels impossible today will one day be your warm-up, right? 
What's possible today will one day be your warm-up. See, the good news is that we can learn this in the Spirit. The Spirit can lead us and teach us and shape us in this act of abiding. And the challenge for us is it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's not something we just resolve to do today and tomorrow we're going to, okay, we got it. We're abiding now. What's next? We have to learn that there are no shortcuts. We have to learn that we have to take a lifetime to learn what it means to practice the presence of God. In fact, I would say the world that we live in today makes this increasingly difficult and makes it harder and harder to abide in Jesus. We have overfilled schedules. We have maxed out commitments. We have smartphones everywhere we go. Every room I walk into these days, there is a screen competing for my attention. The reality is that we live in a culture of instant gratification that's all about the quick fix. And it bleeds into our spirituality. It says, all I need is the next book. All I need is the next podcast. All I got to get to is the next awesome spiritual event. And that'll do it. That'll get me over the hump. That'll change me. That'll give me the life I'm longing for. But what if the life we want, life with God, life to the full, begins here? in this practice of the presence of God, what if it begins in the reality of every day? And so if we want this life, we have to do something simple but radical. We have to learn how to practice the presence of God. So the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we abide? Well, I think we have to take up the practices of Jesus The way of Jesus, like we talked about last week, that he invites us into this whole way of life. We need to develop habits and engage our whole person in this life with God. Our minds, but not just our minds, our our bodies, our hearts, our emotions, everything we are, we want to bring to the Lord and ask him to lead us and shape us and form us in this way of abiding. And throughout history, people have looked at Jesus' way of life and they've developed what have been uh, come to call be called the spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, fasting, silence, solitude, true community. And the point of these different disciplines or practices is not just to do them, right? It's not just to do them for like some kind of spiritual scorecard. You don't just fast so that you can be hungry. You don't just go off and be by yourself so you can be lonely. There's a, a purpose to these things. These things are a means to an end. And so what they're aiming for is to help us get our whole selves, our body, our mind, our hearts in tune with God. To remind us that God is here. God is here. And I want to be here with God, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. That's the goal of abiding. And just to be clear, it's not about trying harder or trying to do better. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not about earning something with the Lord. What this is about is is about this idea of what God is doing from the inside out, right? So Galatians 5, we read that a few minutes ago. Paul picks up on this metaphor of, of the vine. Did you get that? He talks about it in terms of fruit. And he gives us this picture of fruit, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on down the list. And all these things are fruits And often what I think we do is we hear that list. We hear a list like this or we listen to a sermon like this and we walk away and we think, okay, well now I've got my to-do list. I've got to go out and I've got to try harder to be more patient, right? 
I just got to be more patient. I'm going to be more patient. I resolve to do it. Let me tell you, as a father of three kids under seven, willpower or command, be patient, does not work. It doesn't work for them, and it won't work for us. It's not a matter of willpower, right? It's a fruit thing. It's a fruit that comes from a life of abiding. So think, for example, how fruit is made. How is, how is fruit made? Have you ever driven by an orchard, gone by a grove of orange trees, right? And just looked out there and, and just saw all these orange trees just working so hard and so stressed out and trying as hard as they can just to crank out a couple of oranges, right? Or you, or you walk through the vineyard and you can just hear, you can hear, those vines, man, they are just straining as hard as they can to crank out one grape. No, that's not how it works. Fruit, just it comes out of a branch that's connected to the what? To the vine or to the tree, right? It's about that connection. It's about being connected, and then the fruit is produced. And it's not a thing that comes by willpower, and I think that's really important for us. You know, one of the things I've, I've learned very clearly and very quickly, and it's a beautiful and awesome thing, is that Texans are doers. Y'all are doers. We at Apostles, we do. If, if we need something done, I just put it out there, and it gets done. Like, the next day, we are doers, and that's a great thing. There is a time to be doers. But I think we need to learn how to be beers, if I can say it that way. Be doers, but we also need to be people who know how to abide, how to just be in the presence of God so that he can bring this fruit out of our lives. What did Jesus say? If you don't abide in me, you can do some things. You can do it part of the way. You can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul says it in three different ways in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, abide, abide in the Spirit. We must learn to abide. So again, how do we do that? How do we abide? The answer is simple. We live with Jesus like Jesus. We live with Jesus like Jesus. Now that is simple, but again, like I've said, not easy. Here's, uh, here's something I think that we often miss when we think about our life with Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That if we want to experience the life that Jesus has on offer, we have to actually adopt the way of Jesus. If we want the life that Jesus wants to give us, life to the full, a life of real love, a life of real peace, of real joy, all the things that Jesus promises, we have to do more than just believe he, the things he said ascribed to certain doctrines. We actually have to live life with him the way he lives. So a, a helpful way to think about this, I think, is um, there's a, a buddy of mine in North Carolina. And I just, he, he was one of the most physically fit and in shape guys I've ever known. And so we used to hang out. And, and I remember one day we were having lunch and I was feeling particularly like pudgy and, and just gross. You know, just one of those points in my life. I just was like, ugh, I, I need to start working out. I need to start working out. <laughs> you ever had that moment? No, none of y'all ever had that moment. I have those moments. And I'm sitting there at lunch with him, and I'm like, ah, just, you know, I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at me. And I'm, looking, I'm like, I want, I want to look more like you than like me. How do, how do I get there? You know, and he was like all pumped. He's like, oh, let me tell you. He's like, here's what we're going to do. He's like, tomorrow morning, 
I'm going to pick you up because every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5.30 a.m., I'm going to pick you up and we're going to work out for an hour. And then on top of that, probably a couple times a week, we'll go swim because it's really good. It's, just, it's good. So we'll swim. We'll do that on top of it. And then he's like, and you're going to have to change your diet. And he started talking about all these dietary changes. And then he started talking something about kale and a shake. And I just like, at that point, I just glazed over. My eyes just glazed over. And he lost me. And, and I remember thinking, like, he was like, all right. He's like, you in? You want me to pick you up at 530? And I basically said, I was like, uh, let me think about it. Let me get back to you on that. And, and I bring that up because, you see, I wanted the, the life he had. I wanted what he had. But I didn't want the lifestyle that it took to get that life, right? I wanted what he had, but I didn't want what it took to get there. And, and the reality is that our life, in some sense, is the byproduct of our lifestyle, isn't it? Your routines, your rituals, your schedules, your priorities. Your life is, in other words, perfectly designed to produce, in some sense, the fruit that you have in your life. And if you want something to change, if you want something that you've never had before, then the reality is you're going to have to do some things differently. You're going to have to change the way you've always done it. If you want life with Jesus, you've got to take up the life of Jesus. So what is the fruit that you're getting in your life? What is the fruit that you're getting? Is it the fruit that you want or not? Your life, remember, is perfectly designed to produce the fruit that you're getting. So if you want more peace, do you want more peace? I want more peace. If you want more peace, how are you going to get it? Our lives are so harried, so hectic, so stressed and anxious. And if I told you that Jesus had had real peace on offer, that you could have real peace, would you want it? Of course. We all say yes to that. We all want that kind of peace. And so we pray for it. We're here every Sunday. You're pouring over your Bible. You're still stressed, though, about money and about your kids and about your career and about dating and all these other things. Whatever it is, you don't have peace. You can't seem to get the peace that you want. And maybe, just maybe, is it possible that it's because the way of life that you're living is not conducive to peace? That the way you're living doesn't actually produce the fruit of peace. And so you're asking for it on one hand, but you're not living in a way that God can bring peace in your life. See, Jesus was fully God, right? But he was also fully man. I think we lose that sometimes. He was fully human. And so when we look at Jesus, what we see is an example of what it means to be truly human. To live a life that we were created to live. A life in him by his spirit a life of a true human. And not only did he make that life possible for us by the cross and his death and his resurrection, he now gives us the power to live that life by giving us his spirit. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus wants us to have peace. And so what we need to do is we need to step back and look at the life of Jesus, a life of peace. And then hold our life up next to it and say, okay, what were the hallmarks of Jesus' life? Well, he was unhurried, it seems. He, he loved to be people. He seemed very present wherever he was. Have you ever noticed that? He's on his way to do something else. Someone interrupts him and he stops. And he looks and he listens. He's present. Jesus had huge demands from great crowds, but he also had a few close friends. And Jesus seemed to have spent a lot of time alone. 
He spent time in prayer. He rested. He kept the Sabbath. He lived simply. He chose not to accumulate lots and lots of things for himself. And it'd be easy to say, okay, well, Jesus was at peace. Well, he was God, right? He kind of cheated. But he was fully human. He really was human. And he experienced peace. I think we can have that peace. I know we can have that peace. Jesus promises we can have that peace. But we can't have it unless we take up the life with Jesus that he offers. If you want joy, if you want love, you have to start living, following, abiding in Jesus. And so we want this. The problem is not that uh, we, we want it. The problem is that we haven't really wrestled with the question, are we willing to rearrange our lives around the person of Jesus? Are we willing to give up things to reorient our lives around the person of Jesus so that we can be with them? And this is not a guilt trip. I struggle with this. We all struggle with this. This is the invitation of Jesus into a lifestyle. And it's an invitation that he gives us because he loves us because he wants us to have this life, right? It's a whole new way of life that Jesus alone can offer and it flows out of abiding with him. So just to close, I want to give you two practical things. We're talking about what does it mean for me to abide? What does it look like for us as a community to be with Jesus? And the first is this. This one's more long-term. Simplify your life. Simplify your life. Step back. Take a look at everything you've got on your schedule. (laughs) All the things you've accumulated, all the commitments, and ask God to help you see what's in front of you And begin to trim away the things that are not necessary. The things that are competing for Jesus' attention in your life. Now for many of us, many of us, this is going to be really, really hard. Because I know what you're thinking right now. There is nothing in my life that isn't necessary. (laughs) My schedule is full of necessary things. That's the problem. It's all necessary. And that is the problem, right? That's part of the problem is that we haven't taken the time with Jesus to think through the way that we're living. And so we need, with Jesus' help, to trim away, to say no to certain things, to start to pull away things that create space and margins for us actually to adopt the way of life of Jesus, to introduce practices like taking rest. Some of us have no idea how to rest. We never rest. We just go, 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 next thing, always the next thing. And Jesus' way of life is a way that has rest built in, right? Some of us need to create some space where that that couple down the street that we've been talking about getting together and have dinner, we just never have time. We just never have time. There's no space in the schedule. We need to trim away so that we can experience true community, gather around the table with people who are far from Jesus. Be with them just like we're with Jesus. And it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to take up some of these practices like fasting and and retreats, and silence, things that are so foreign to us. But if we want the life that Jesus offers us, we have to take up his lifestyle. And for most of us, that means having to have a heart-to-heart with Jesus about our life and our lifestyle. Asking God, what is it that's standing in the way of me being with you? So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Set aside... 10 minutes 
Maybe do this for two weeks. Every day for two weeks, 10 minutes of silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. And so what I don't mean is 10 minutes of Bible study uh, or even necessarily 10 minutes of prayer. What I want to encourage you to do is find 10 minutes where you can just be with Jesus. Just be with him. No book, no agenda, no screens, no noise. If you've got kids, you're going to have to get up really early to make this happen. And it will be hard for all of us. It's hard for me. I'm learning to do this. I need more of this. We need to learn to be with Jesus. So challenge yourself. Do it for two weeks straight. Find 10 minutes in your day where you can just be silent and with Jesus. And all, this is what you do. You, you just find a quiet place, no distractions, and you say, God, you are here. You are with me. Would you help me to be here with you? And you just wait. And you're just quiet. And you let the Spirit minister to you. Just be with him. Sometimes it'll just be like taking a deep breath. Maybe for the first time or the only time that day. Sometimes it'll be just peace. The peace of God just falls on you. Sometimes God will give you something that you desperately need to hear. A word of encouragement. A word of guidance. But just be with him. Stop. We need to slow down and be with Jesus. So those are your two homework assignments. Set aside some time to look at your calendar, look at your schedule, simplify your life. And then really find some time each day, 10 minutes. I think I mentioned this last week. You know how many times you swipe your phone on average? Accumulates to somewhere between three and five hours a day. You've got 10 minutes, right? We've all got 10 minutes. We're busy, but we can do it. 10 minutes, silence and solitude with Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we want what you are offering. We want you. We want life with you. We want life in your spirit. And Lord, some of us here this morning, we desperately need it because we are burning it out. Lord, we are on the edge of crashing. Lord, we desperately need your help to make some changes in our life, God, because we want the life that you offer, Lord, but we know we've got to make some changes to have it. And Lord, this isn't about us. It's not about our will. It's not about us fixing ourselves. It's about really taking you at your word and trusting you and entering into the life that you've promised us. And Lord, we know that we can't do the things in this city that we want to do if we haven't been with you. We can't see the transformation in our families that we long to see in the lives of our children if we are not with you. Lord, we cannot be the people that we want to be, that you've called us to be without your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach us. Teach us what it means to be in the presence of God, to practice the presence of God in our lives. Lord, we thank you that this is a gift from you. 
and we ask for it. Father, give us this good gift of abiding. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.